Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're marking International Women's Day on the 8th of March by discussing a new report from UBS Global Wealth Management entitled Women and Investing, Reimagining Wealth Advice. Joining us to discuss the piece are two returning guests on the bulletin, Mariana Mamou, Head Advice Beyond Investing in UBS Chief Investment Office, and Ava Lindholm, CEO of Wealth Management at UBS for the UK and Jersey. Mariana and Ava will be discussing the importance of women making their own financial decisions and how the whole wealth management industry must change to better enable women to do that. They'll also consider how a renewed emphasis on investing with purpose, in accordance with values and driven by a need for real impact, is reshaping the way that women investors globally take their investment decisions. It's a pleasure to welcome both Mariana and Ava back to the show. Let's start perhaps with some big picture reflections on the report. And as we look at the backdrop here on International Women's Day, Mariana, I'll come to you first of all. The first publication on women investing was published back in 2017, I think, five years ago now. And it was a publication looking at the importance of women making their own financial decisions. Maybe just to set the scene, remind us what the key issues were as you and your colleagues identified them at at that time. And if you can, reflect a little bit on what the, the real significant cost of those disadvantages is. Yes, we at the time looked at the differences between men and women uh, wealth journey. Uh, Many women's life events raise barriers to the creation of wealth. We have pay differences, career breaks, and the greater need to work flexibly, which can have a detrimental impact upon wealth accumulation. In addition, an average women tend to live longer. So this means that their wealth planning needs uh, must often uh, last a longer time horizon. Also, women are more reluctant to take financial risks, uh, which means that they miss out on potential earnings that could help them cover pension and wealth gaps. And this is exactly the important message that we had derived at the time that by them uh, to take risks uh, in order not to to lose, they took a higher risk of not meeting all of their uh, goals. So finding the right investment approach can make a big difference in improving the financial well-being and quality of women's lives. I'm just quoting a client um, who we talked to at the time of that previous publication, and she said, oh my goodness, unless I take definitive action around planning my financials, I'm facing pretty much the perfect recipe for poverty in old age because of the pay gap, and some say that can start as early as pocket money stage. Obviously, women take more career gaps. It could be maternity, it could be parent care, or it could be a propensity to work part-time. And inherently, our, our women clients have tended to be more risk-averse in their investment style, which means they generate lower capital growth over the years. Or as another client said, I've been missing out on the most powerful force in the universe, which is called compound interest. And then, as Mariana said, women tend to at least statistically outlive men, which means their savings need to cover a longer time time span. Um, but how is it changing? I, I would say that the narrative is changing considerably. First, if for no other reason, we're just seeing more women in our client base uh, through, for example, entrepreneurial wealth creation, which is w- well represented by women. And so this has forced us to confront 
an increasingly mainstream issue. It's not just something that crops up from time to time in a predominantly male client base. This is at the center of the issues we're trying to solve. And uh, we are shifting now to deliver advice based on what we know firsthand about um, women's own approach to investing, which tends to be more goals-based, and by that I mean life goals, and increasingly aligned with values. So I'm sure we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that point, I think that's really interesting what you mentioned there, Ava, about this this shifted narrative. Mariana, it's true, is it not, that in this new piece, which is obviously being published uh, to, to coincide with International Women's Day on the 8th of March, there is some signs of real positive momentum, aren't there? Could you maybe tell us a little bit about what that positive momentum looks like? Yes, certainly. Since 2017 and our first uh, publication, there are more women that want to take control of their finances. Uh, This momentum further gained during uh, COVID-19, actually, which acted as a powerful catalyst for even more women to make finances their priority. Uh, So a Fidelity survey in 2021 showed a 50% increase uh, since 2020 in the number of women who say they're interested in investing. And a UBS study also reached a similar conclusion, highlighting that uh, 68% of women now want to talk about finances with their families. However, despite this improvement in the narrative and this willingness to take action, uh, this is not followed through necessarily, and a lot of women still keep significant savings in cash. Yeah, and I just wonder then, uh, maybe you could both reflect a little bit on this, about how does, or or how should, perhaps I should say more accurately, the the wealth management industry as a whole um, better support women in taking that, that control. So there has been some progress, which is obviously encouraging, but there are some really interesting sort of flashpoints, are there? And in the report, again, there's it clearly identifies less satisfaction or greater dissatisfaction. With the existing advice, there is for, for women in, investors. So as a whole industry, as a sector-wide piece, what does that improvement need to look like? Well, I'm so glad you said, what should the industry look like? Because often it's, how do we change the women? <laughs> and it's not about fixing the women. It is actually about fixing and evolving the industry. I mean, just the way I see it in, in our environment, we have at least three areas to work on. One is what we deliver. So to be able to respond to this values alignment through social impact and ESG type investing, we need to adapt who delivers the advice, uh, you know, coming and forging a sales force or a client advisor sales force that's better equipped to talk about values and uh, life objectives. We participated um, in in a study in 2015, which seems like a lifetime ago, with the Center for Talent Innovation, where women were surveyed globally and asked, uh, did they have a financial advisor? And these are all women who um, had enough wherewithal to have a financial advisor. Less than 50% of the women did, but over 70% of the women who did have a financial advisor were very unhappy with their financial advisors. And the two Uh, factoids that stuck in my brain were that the women did not feel that their advisors understood them 
And even worse, they felt that the advisors did not care about them. So obviously, we've had to work hard to address that issue. And then thirdly, it's how you deliver advice to women. What kind of approach does a better job at delineating between short and medium and long-term objectives? We've got our own lingo for that. And also integrating in digital delivery, which is probably affecting every industry on the planet. Yeah, and, and I just wondered, Mariana, from your point of view, if we look at, these are some of the kind of big headlines, but if we dig down into some of the data in the piece as well, are there some good learnings about the scale of, of women's wealth? Because there were some interesting data points about the female wealth segment actually outpacing uh, that of the male in relative growth, which presumably, again, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of side of, of the dynamic here, but nevertheless an important one to underscore, one imagines. Well, it certainly is an important one also to highlight in terms of potential and business opportunity for wealth managers, because clearly this is a segment that they cannot afford to uh, not cater to properly. Um, so the numbers, yes, suggest that uh, women's wealth is faster growing than, than men's. The biggest wealth area is in North America, but the one that grows fastest is in Asia. So by 2030 in the US, women will control 30 trillion of assets. Uh, also, we should take into consideration that there is the wealth creation from entrepreneurs, but also there will be the shift from demographics and over generations from the baby boomers and women will get control of a big number of, of those assets. So certainly the, the assets show that uh, if women are going to start investing, we're talking about a huge uh, opportunity for the economy, for GDP, and of course also for uh, sustainable impact, knowing that women are more interested in, in taking into consideration sustainable elements. Uh, there was uh, some data that suggested uh, up to 1.87 trillion could flow into more sustainable and impact uh, investing. And around sustainability, this is one of those sort of aspects that pops up frequently. And you've both already mentioned this idea of a change in sort of value sets, um, the purpose of investing. Are those sorts of themes, things which have reshaped the ways in which women, to generalise, are making or tending to make their investment decisions? Are they kind of front and centre when it comes to the things that have reshaped how the decisions are being made? Maybe, again, even just in the timeline of just this last five years since the first iteration of this piece. I would certainly say yes. Um, because of this inherent propensity to align with values, it's made more women happy to talk about finance. I mean, of course, you know, uh, Marianne and I are both in the finance profession and would probably find it curious that, that anyone wouldn't be interested in finance, but you'd be amazed at how many people, you know, their eyes glaze over, they're not interested in talking about markets. They think it's dull or overly technical or has too much jargon. But when you bring the, their life objectives and their values into the discussion, all of a sudden conversations open up. And then from there, you then start to talk about what purpose do uh, financial instruments and markets serve in solving their problems. So perhaps it's less of um, how they invest, but rather unlocking the willingness to talk about investing. And then from that flows the analysis of what are the objectives, what are the values they want to align with. Some women just want to avoid harm and avoid certain things. Others want to uh, specifically invest in a manner uh, that promotes certain positive social outcomes, and that could be around health or around climate, 
and our women clients are as keen on technology as our male clients are as well. Eva very nicely elaborated uh, on, the, on the preferences of women around sustainable and impact. And what is very interesting in the research is that it shows that women are more willing to take uh, what it calls social risks. So that is risk associated with human or social consequences. And this gives them a greater confidence in getting their money invested when they see a social benefit. Uh, so this means that exactly because also, uh, as Eva mentioned, it is of interest and it opens the discussion around investments, they're also more confident and willing to take action and, and invest. And also another element that helps them increase their risk tolerance is associated with familiarity. Uh, so the more they experience the investing, the less risk averse they become. Um, it's interesting, just to pick up on this idea, you both mentioned it was interesting to reflect on what actually the industry uh, can do better in this space and to make sure that that's the way around we look at this challenge. Um, what then are some of the key components? And Marianne, again, if, if perhaps if we look at what the research tells us, for what makes a really compelling wealth management value proposition for women? Presumably there are some of these values that actually crop up whenever I speak to anybody within UBS, um, the sort of the three L's principles which govern a lot of responsible joined up decision making. But does the data or the research that you and your colleagues have done speak to what the new key components are of that compelling offer as we look into the future? Yes, as we mentioned previously, investing with purpose and when purpose is two-sided, one is investing for meeting their goals and also investing for values uh, and impacts on society. And we know that women and data show they're, they're willing to and happy to pay for advice. Uh, but when we talk about advice, we're referring to advice that exactly helps them meet these objectives and their goals rather than the perhaps more old-fashioned or stereotypical trading strategies to help beat the market. And particularly younger women are more likely to invest for specific goals that, than men are. Uh, so it is important, therefore, to have personalized and relevant investment advice that links to how this advice will then help you meet your objectives. And this is why, for example, a framework such as the UBS Wealthway can help women feel confident about where their money is and why. And in addition, of course, what we mentioned before around the how social, so sustainable and impact investing is of interest for them and how it helps them confidently invest. Obviously, this is an important part of the offering of any wealth manager. And finally, when looking at so advising a woman, and in fact, anyone, one should look at the holistic uh, situation and provide holistic advice. I was going to actually ask a little bit more detail about holistic advice and what that sort of, again, what that what that looks like. And Ava, maybe I'll ask you a bit about what you understand by that term. And also just taking a further step back, the piece again and the research, it, it looks at this idea of, you know, reimagining the whole sort of value proposition around this area, which sounds like a big, very complex and very large scale challenge. Is that doable? It presumably is what is necessary. So as well as talking a bit about holistic advice, maybe you could tell us a bit about how realistic it is to reimagine the whole uh, offering in this area. Sure. I Well, holistic advice is really nicely encapsulated I think in the liquidity longevity legacy bucket, uh, which is underpinned by a lot of questioning, a lot of listening, some soul searching, and being quite clear about what risks someone is willing to take and what their attitudes to risks are. And so once you 
get to the point where you have a person confident that their short-term liquidity needs, their cash needs are taken care of, it is remarkable how many medium and long-term conversations you can have after that. There's a relaxation that happens that that enables people to talk about not only their values, but their families, things that have affected them in the past, their fears, uh, their children, and and children and wealth is a a whole other area worth uh, talking about at, at some point. And then what kind of legacy on this planet do you want to leave beyond your bank account? You know, what, what effect do you want to, to have had during your lifetime? So that and a very rigorous and clear-eyed approach to risk is, um, is really what I think of in terms of holistic advice. Can we reimagine the whole value proposition? I think absolutely. I think we don't have any option but to re- reimagine it because... Um, of what Mariana referred to earlier, this wealth transfer from the baby boomers to X and Y and whatever comes after that, um, the thinking and the values of these uh, younger generations is really going to convince uh, whoever the laggards are that they will need to look at things more holistically and in a way that's tied into the welfare of themselves and frankly the planet. So I view it as an inevitability, not just doable, but it's inevitable and that uh, those who resist it won't survive. Well, very, very briefly from from both of you then, we talked at the top about learnings from 2017, 22, as we now sit here talking. If we roll the clock forward five more years, if we're sat here five years hence, how optimistic, how sort of ambitious are you? Mariana, I'll throw it to you first of all, that we will have seen more great strides and that actually there'll be lots more to celebrate as we head towards International Women's Day. What would it be? 2027? I personally, I am I am optimistic. I think we've pro- we've progressed a lot since the first publication and the first uh, research we had done, and we've actually invested a lot in not only understanding but being able to deliver the this goal based and purpose based advice. So now we are basically we have the fundamentals there. We are able to to deliver on on such a value proposition. So the question is how to make sure that uh, more and more women get confidence and they get access to the right advice but also the right the right way to be able to take action and follow through with their intentions excellent and i mean ava do you recognize that optimism do you do you share some of that yourself oh yes i've never felt so optimistic i agree with everything that mariana said i would also i'm paying particular attention to the evolution of the vocabulary around impact investing and measurement of impact investing because with the passage of time and with all of the good work by many, many players in measuring outcomes from this sort of investing activity, I think we're going to have a fact set that um, demystifies, that clarifies that you can do well and do good at the same time and that ensures that we're all speaking about these important topics using a commonly understood vocabulary. So, yes, I'm optimistic and I think our ability to be more precise about uh, some of the inputs and outcomes is only going to get better in in a five-year time period. Excellent stuff. Well, look, Ava and Mariana, thank you both very much indeed for uh, being with us and painting an optimistic picture. That's what we like to hear. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. Huge thanks to Mariana Mamo and to Ava Lindholm for joining us. You can find out more about UBS and its work in support of women investors. Just head to UBS.com and search Women and Investing. You can listen again and find out more about this programme anytime. Just head to monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.